Howdy, howdy. Welcome back to Adorn Podcast. This is episode 72. Yes, okay, <laughs> 72. And we are going to be diving into Matthew chapter 3. Hi, friends, and welcome to the Adorned Podcast. We're your hosts, Erin and Casey. We would love for you to come join us each week as we discuss what it means to be made beautiful by God's Word. Whether you are a college student walking to class, a mom folding laundry during nap time, or a boss babe sitting in rush hour traffic, we hope that we can encourage and inspire you to pursue a deeper understanding of the Bible. Okay, so before we dive into Matthew, it is finally fall. Um, by the time this is airing, and just a couple of weeks from where we're, when we're recording, it's finally fall, even though it's still in the 90s in Texas. Uh. <laughs> In like the high 90s. Yes. And I am like super giant pregnant. So it feels like it's more like 200 degrees. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty hot. But we thought since we're entering a new season, we would talk for just a minute about fall and what we like about fall. Maybe what we don't like about fall. So Erin, what's one of your favorite parts of fall? Fall, I think is the, I'm probably going to say the best season in Texas. I mean, summer is my favorite because you get to do all the swimming and stuff yeah. like that. But weather-wise, fall is just great here because spring you get the allergies and whatever. Oh, yeah. But fall is just nice. It lasts about seven days usually <laughs> of actual fall. But I just, I like, I like any time of transition. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I like, like being able to set new goals mm-hmm. or create new rhythms or whatever that looks like. And Granted, you can really do that at any time of the year, but I like having like structured time of like, hey, okay, what do we want these next couple months? What do we want the last quarter of the year to look like? Right. And yeah. I like, I love the holidays. Um, I, like Thanksgiving is one of my favorite, <laughs> favorite holidays. I love the food. Cranberry um, sauce specifically. Yeah. <laughs> yes. The cranberry. I will just eat a bowl of that. Um, and I found out that I might end up having to be induced. And if they induce me, it would be like week of Thanksgiving, which would be like so devastating to oh, me because man. I want my Thanksgiving food. So we'll, we'll just for that. have to bring it to you in the hospital. <laughs> we can go. totally do does that. Does the hospital do like a Thanksgiving dinner? I think so. I oh, don't know that you'll be able to eat any that's of true it. with all my food yeah. problems. Yeah. What's, what's one of your favorite things about fall? Oh, so similar. I love the transition, the cooler air. Um, I'm a very sentimental person, mm-hmm. so I start thinking about, you know, like um, all the holidays in the past and sweet memories. And um, I like all the pumpkin stuff. Give me all the pumpkin stuff. <laughs> I'm pretty basic in that way. <laughs> um, <laughs> pumpkin candles, pumpkin food. Candy um, corn. Someone. Yes, I do That's like me favorite. some candy corn and peanuts mm. together. <gasps> what? Oh, have you never tried no. it? Oh, it's addicting. You would love it. Mm, it's so good. I hide it from my kids. Yes, so good. Um, yeah, I heard someone the other day say they have pumpkin flavored spam, and Ew. I am definitely not into that. Okay, I thought you were gonna say you're definitely gonna try <laughs> no. it. I was like, oh, bleh. I don't eat regular spam. I'm not gonna eat pumpkin spam. But anyway, uh, yeah. Yes. Other than the spam, give me all the pumpkin things. Um, it's interesting though because if you had asked me. A couple of years ago, I would have said that like fall, Christmas, my favorite time of the year, like I look forward to it. And then this weird kind of shift happened in the last few years. And last year, like I didn't, I'm usually like a decorate September 1st type of girl, like pumpkins (laughs) everywhere. I don't care that it's a hundred degrees. And last year, like towards the end of October, Jonathan was like, 
can I get your pumpkins out for you? <laughs> like, are you going to decorate? What's wrong with you? Um, and so I'm one of those people that I do a lot of like introspection. Like I look, you know, internally mm-hmm. and I'm like, okay, why am I acting this way? What's going on? Why am I not looking forward to the holidays anymore? Um, and I started to realize like after Christmas, I looked back and realized that, um, there's so many expectations surrounding holidays mm. in our culture. You have to do the exact right bucket list. Like everybody has a mm. fall bucket list and a Christmas bucket list. And you have to do all the things. Your kids have to be wearing the right thing. You have to get all the right pictures. If you didn't get a picture, it didn't happen. <laughs> Heaven forbid, you know, all of these things. And it just got to be too much for mm-hmm. me with three kids and um, the podcast and homeschooling and just everything that we do, everybody's busy, right? Like everybody has their things and it was just, it was just too much. And so I just kind of shut down. And so as Jonathan and I were evaluating that after, after Christmas and kind of leading up into this season right now when I was like, Oh, I'm not looking forward to the holidays. Cause I know it's just going to kind of overwhelm me. And he was like, well, let's change the narrative, you know, like let's kind of reevaluate how we do things and let's re- reevaluate like what's important to mm-hmm. us. And so I've really been working on, um, just thinking about that and, and keeping in perspective, like what's important. It's okay. If I don't go to every pumpkin patch in the area and yeah. the kids are wearing orange and have their hair perfect and get the perfect pictures. <laughs> like it's okay if I don't do all that. Yeah. Like, I'm going to spend time with my kids and with my family and um, make sweet memories and continue to teach them about Jesus and continue to teach them their math and their reading every day. And then leading into Christmas, um, if you listen to our podcast with uh, Margaret, she talked a little bit about how their family are making some changes surrounding Christmas and Advent and gifts. And I think we're going to really focus on something similar and just... um, change our focus to make it truly all about Jesus. Mm -hmm. And, um, we're still going to do gifts. You know, it's not, we're not going to completely wipe everything out, but we're just going to have to change our perspective on things because, um, it was affecting all of us. And so I say all that to say, like, if you're in the same place where you're kind of like pretending to love the holidays, (laughs) but because that's how it was, I was pretending to love it because I always had. And I thought that was, that was the expectation Mm -hmm. that was put on me. So if that's you and you're pretending like really, um, look inside and say, okay, like, why am I dreading this season? What's going on? How can I make it different? Am I worried about what my Instagram is going to look look <laughs> like? Or am I worried about like what my kids are going to remember or what I'm going to remember? Um, and just, yeah, I don't know. Like it's just, it's been something that's been on my mind and my heart a lot lately because I just, I see moms really wearing themselves out surrounding yeah. the holidays to meet other people's expectations. And that's not what it's about. No, that's not what it's about. So anyway, just a few of my thoughts going into fall. (laughs) You can all kind of keep me accountable too, because I want to love it. I want to truly love it. Um, And yeah. And I'm excited because we're going to do an Advent series. Mm -hmm. We haven't decided what that's going to look like yet, but we're going to do one. (laughs) It's going to be fun. (laughs) So yeah, Erin's laughing at me. It's going to be great. (laughs) It's going to be great. Yeah. All right, Matthew, here we go. Chapter Matthew, three. Chapter three. So, if you um, 
didn't get a chance to listen to the intro or chapters one and two, you can pause and go back and do that. Or you can listen to this and then go back or whatever floats your boat. But just to kind of pick up where we were, where we left off, we left off at the end of chapter two with Jesus and his family living in Nazareth. And we pick up in chapter three, skipping ahead some time. We don't know exactly how much time, right? No, I don't. I mean, I'm sure we could probably figure it out. Somewhere around. (laughs) Well, we see he's about to start his ministry, so so he'd be about 30. 30, So do the math. (laughs) 28-ish years, maybe. (laughs) And then we we jump into chapter 3 with John the Baptist, um, which is his, Jesus's cousin, Cousin. Some some kind of relationship. Yeah, I think traditionally people say cousin. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought it was interesting before we even start, just random side note, but it says... Um, I read in some commentary that this is the only time we really see Jesus and John doing ministry together. Like we know that they're both running after, you know, the same mission, but this is the only time that we really see them together. And we'll talk about the importance of that a little bit later. But then I thought, wait, no, we saw them together when they were in their mom's yes <laughs> and i love that when you wrote that in our notes i was like yeah because john leapt for joy yes. and that just yeah i thought that was kind of fun mm-hmm. okay chapter three here we go verses one through three in those days john the baptist came preaching in the wilderness of judea repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand for this is he who was spoken by the prophet isaiah when he said the voice of one crying in the wilderness prepare the way of the lord make his path straight so already a lot of good stuff in these first couple of verses, but I think something that jumps out at me is how bold John is. Um, he's just like, hey, repent. He's not like, hey, you're a really great person, but you know, there's this one little area where you might need to ask for forgiveness. He's like, no, repent, like just straightforward. And it's going to get even more intense as we go. But I just love like his boldness. And that's going to look different for all of us, obviously, in the culture and time Mm -hmm. and place that we live. I'm not saying everybody needs to go out there and like yell repent at people. That's I'm not like vouching for that. Please don't actually. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying, I think, I think sometimes we overanalyze like that there's one specific way to talk to people about Jesus. And John gives us a good example of that his way isn't wrong and his way isn't right for everybody, but his way is one way. Right. And, um, I thought I heard this on a podcast. I thought this was like really interesting. I don't know why. Cause I like numbers. So there's about 30 ish pages of the book of Matthew. Um, cause there's 28 chapter, 28 chapters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 28 yeah. chapters. And it's about 30 pages, but within those 30 pages, it is said over 50 times that phrase repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, or it's sometimes said kingdom of God. So that phrase repent for the kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven is at hand is said 50 times. That is that's crazy. more than that's almost twice a page. Yeah. My math is not good today, but it's somewhere around there. It's like one and a half (laughs) times a page. So if, like we've said before, when you're studying, if, if there's repetition, it should make you go, wait, I've heard this before. Mm -hmm. This must be important. It's said multiple times. So why do you think, why do you think it's said so often? Why do you think Matthew's really honing in on that phrase? Hmm. Probably. Well, there's probably a lot of reasons, but I think it's because it's not a natural thing for Mm -hmm. us to do. I think that 
we need to be reminded. It's mm-hmm. like you said, when you hear something over and over, that should spark. And it doesn't with everybody. Some of us, you know, need a little help. But that <laughs> should spark something in you to make you think, oh, wait, this is important. Yeah. And it's something that, you know, as sinners with a sinful nature, like, it's something that we have to be reminded of. Yeah. And not only do we have to constantly be reminded of it, but it's important. Like, yeah. it's it's a very important thing to... um being a Christ follower is this repenting, this idea of turning from something, turning from your sin and turning to something else. Mm. And I like, I was listening to a Jen Wilkin um, teaching on this and she said, we don't repent. So the kingdom will come. We repent because it is here. Mm. He's saying the kingdom's at hand. It's right here. Mm. And that's why we are to repent because he's already here. We don't do it. So Jesus will come. He was coming whether they repented or not, but you should want to turn and repent because Jesus is here. And as I was reading, there were two different, we like to teach all big words, right? So (laughs) there's two different types of repentance. We have attrition, which is a false repentance. And they um, said it's similar to what Esau felt Mm. um, in Genesis where he was like, oh darn, I got my birthright taken. Like, man, it's it's this feeling bad because you've been caught or Uh. because you've lost something. Mm -hmm. I think it's probably a feeling that most of us feel on a daily basis for Mm -hmm. some reason or another. And then there's contrition. It's a deep remorse. It's godly and genuine. And this is what God desires from us. Just this um, deep repentance of of this turning away from our sin and turning to him Mm. and um the person that in my bible it said that you can look at to this is david in the psalms Mm. he had true um contrite repentance i really like that point of it's not just turning away from sin like that's step one yes but you don't just stop there it's also like you're saying turning to To something else yeah and i think a lot of times Personally, like when thinking about like daily repentance or, you know, ongoing repentance, I, I'm like, oh, Lord, please forgive me for getting frustrated with my kids. But then I don't think like a, ne- a next step, like, right. Lord, instead, fill me with patience and joy or mm-hmm. something like that. And so mm-hmm. I think for me, like I That's we good. didn't talk about this before, but this yeah. is like really convicting really to good. me right now. And so I think I'm going to work on that this week of how can I then replace How can you replace that? it? Yeah. yeah. Kind of like That's a good. put on, put uh-huh, off, right. like we see in Colossians. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. That's good. There's a little bonus for everybody. <laughs> so another thing we see in this passage is more prophecy. Like we talked about before, we're going to see a lot of prophecy um, throughout the book of Matthew. And so he's recalling back to Isaiah. And I love when they tell us like where the prophecy is coming mm-hmm. from. Yeah. I mean, it, a lot of times in your Bible, it'll give you like a little side note. But when he says right there, like spoken by the prophet Isaiah, I'm like, oh, cool. Mm-hmm. That's helpful. Yeah. Thank yeah. You for that. That's neat. So we know John, right, is not just John. He's always called John the Baptist. And I always think that's funny because I like I want to know, like, what would my name be in the Bible? You know, like Aaron, the hmm. loud one. <laughs> like, no. I don't know. My first thought was Aaron, the seven. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm sure. That, yeah. Anyways, I don't know. I just like to think about yeah. stuff like that. But it's as funny. I was thinking about, OK, we know him as John the Baptist and he's kind of the first person that we see being a baptizer or like understanding this importance of baptism. And we see he first is calling people to repent and then immediately calling them to be baptized. And there's a lot of different, you know, beliefs on baptism and that's a big doctrine and we can't get into all of it. Um, And I personally need to study it more, but I was reading some, um, an article by MacArthur and he was saying that um, this is a quote now. 
By the time that the Lord arrived for his baptism, John the Baptist had been preaching for about six months, as best as we can discern, moving up and down the Jordan Valley from the north to the south, baptizing all people who were flooding out of Judea and Jerusalem to come to him. He was preaching repentance and the confession of sin for heart cleansing, symbolized in a baptism, in order that people might escape the wrath that was to come upon the Messiah's arrival and enter into the blessing of his kingdom. So I think that it kind of just helps us give like a reference for, hey, John just kind of pops up out of nowhere. Like, how long has he been doing this? What has he been doing? And Mm -hmm. so it kind of gives us some context into John's ministry. But I also like that it's saying that people were coming to him. Mm -hmm. There was something that was resonating with people Mm -hmm. in in a message that's like, hey, you're a sinner. You need to repent. I don't know how many people would be like, I want that. But like the fact that, you know, that's obviously the Holy Spirit's work and his power. If if saying repent, the kingdom is at hand. It's like drawing people into his kingdom. Yep. So I thought I thought that was kind of helpful. Yeah, I liked the description of his ministry just because it kind of humanizes him. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it, um, my first thought was, man, he must have been tired. (laughs) Because, I mean, I have learned over this past year that, I mean, I've been a pastor's wife for a long time, but like being like truly immersed in ministry myself, Mm -hmm. running um, adorned, like, I've realized it's no joke, like, but it's what we're called to as um, followers of Jesus. And we'll see this more in chapter four when Jesus calls his disciples to come follow him. But it is it's work and it's not easy, um, but it's so worth it. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I think about John being out here just baptizing people and preaching day after day after day and eating. We'll get to see the lovely things he ate and wore. <laughs> you know, he wasn't living some glamorous life, but he, he persevered because yeah. because it's worth it. It's right. always worth it. Yeah, that's good. All right, let's keep reading our scripture. So we're jumping in on verse four. Now John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Yum. <laughs> Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. And I always laugh because this is the part my kids always remember Mm -hmm. when they think about John the Baptist. I'm like, what do you know about John the Baptist? Like they never say he's baptizing people or he got to baptize Jesus or he was Jesus's cousin uncle thing but it's he wore the weirdest clothes mom and he ate bugs and I'm like okay and all I can think is sounds like you would fit in in Austin pretty pretty well <laughs> I mean I feel like that would be a be thing honest. on some of these new restaurants like locusts and wild honey oh yeah for sure for <laughs> sure I could probably find it right now <laughs> that's so funny um but I like this picture of baptism a picture of drowning sin they mm-hmm. saw their sin and they said we want it gone and yeah. so they want it washed away by baptism and I liked that picture and we already talked about this but just the fact that like you're saying it's it's a good message but it's not always one people want to hear like they have to first accept the fact that they are sinners Mm -hmm. because I think and I mean this is a different culture a different time but I think for us the first step is even realizing that we are broken and in need of a savior because a lot of us like just diminish our sin or compare it to others or say like oh I'm not as bad as that person or I'm getting better every day and like make it a moral thing and and so we're having to accept the fact that we need to repent Mm -hmm. before we can even move into Mm -hmm. that process yeah and hearing that is not always fun right like right like hearing your sins um brought up and kind of brought to light like that that's not fun and so I think that's a good reminder to us that like 
this whole like seeker sensitive movement um, that some churches are taking part in. Like, what can we say? What what can we do to make people mm-hmm. feel? Um, I don't want to say feel welcome because there there is part of that that's important. But but to feel good about themselves mm-hmm. and to want to stay here and to want to come. Like, we need to draw them in with like these good warmy 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 fuzzy (laughs) warm and fuzzy feelings Uh you know like that's not what it's all about like Aaron said like people were coming to John it was the Holy Spirit that was drawing them and his message was not warm and fuzzy at all and so we need to remember that like we need to remember that as long as we're preaching the Bible like we don't have to um sugarcoat anything in the Bible like we can preach the Bible and people can still be drawn to that through the Holy Spirit yeah that's good that's good. He, yeah. I think we're afraid to, to draw awareness to people's, draw people's awareness to their own to sin. Their sin. We're afraid yeah. to do that, but I think we really need more of that. And John's going to give us some more of it yeah. in this next passage. Yep. So these are verses seven through 10. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Bear in keeping with repentance, and do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father, for I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the tree. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worried worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Woof. Bringing it. Yeah. <laughs> so I think a lot of us, like our first reaction might be like, whoa, that's a little intense. Like, uh, yeah, that's a little, a little bit harsh. <laughs> a and little bit. <laughs> I was reading in my Spurgeon Bible, like that, uh, that's a lot of people's reaction to this passage. It's like, that's unnecessary. It's unnecessarily harsh. And, um, and whether you agree with that or not, I think what we can draw away from this passage is like, John had a method and God was using that. And he is, um, Spurgeon says, he is plain spoken and deals truthfully with his hearers. For he knows converts made by flattery are but flattering converts that are of no real value. Meaning that John trusted that God was the one who was in control and that God was the one who converts and draws people into himself. And so he was resting in that fact more than he was resting in his own gifts to bring people to God. And that's great coming off this series that we just did about using our gifts for God's glory. It would have been easy for John to be like, wow, I'm really good at this. Look at all these people coming to get baptized. But we see, you know, in this passage where he says, I baptize you with water, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, who sandals I am not worthy to carry so he's he's reminding himself like this has nothing to do with me like look at the message I'm preaching look at what I wear look at my strategy like <laughs> look at what I this eat is clearly the <laughs> yes. work of God mm-hmm. not the work of yeah. John the Baptist and I think that's a, a really good reminder for us and as I was reading that I kind of got butterflies in my stomach when um I, I mean I've read this several times this week but just reading again whose sandals I am not worthy to carry because mm. of what we're about to see that happens very next like the fact that John was just so humble um it's just a really cool thing it's really cool um 
And I, as I was reading about like this idea of the wrath of God, I think a lot of times we think of it as being like, God's just really frustrated or Mm -hmm. like he's really irritated by what we're doing or maybe even mad at us for what we're doing. Um, But I liked how it was described. It was Jen Wilkin that was saying it, but she said she got it out of another commentary. It says the love of God and God's wrath is the love of God in friction with injustice. Mm. Um, So when something unjust is done to someone we Mm. love, don't we get upset? So God truly wants the best for his children. So it's more of he's, he's in friction with this injustice. Like he truly wants the best for us. And he knows that whatever's going on in that moment, like that is not what's best for his children. Mm. And so I thought that was good. Yeah. It was a good way to think about it. Yeah, I think it's, it's yeah Chandler that gives that analogy of like we we tend to put wrath against love as if mm-hmm. they were opposites. But yep. he's like, think about if you're a parent the first time you have a baby and you're like, I love this thing so much that if anything would harm it, I would literally kill it. Like exactly. Yeah. Mama yeah. bear mm-hmm. full force. Yeah. And like that that protection is birthed out of love. And mm-hmm. so that wrath, you could say that would come against someone if they tried to hurt your tiny baby, like that's wrath yeah. and and that's out of love. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's a, another good way to think about wrath. Starting in verse 11, then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you and you come to me. But Jesus answered him, let it be so now. For thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. I just love this passage. I do too. I do too. It's one of my favorites. I love it. So um, I think... A good quote I heard about this is that this this meeting of John and Jesus, like we said, it's the only time we see Jesus and John like doing ministry together. But there's a quote and it says this meeting has significance that is sweeping and far reaching because on this occasion of their meeting is the coronation of a new king. And we see um, <laughs> I was reading this in, in the book Gospel Fluency and it's talking about Jesus Christ and like how we think Christ is like his last name, (laughs) but like Christ actually is translated from a Greek word that means king and not just king, but an anointed king Mm -hmm. anointed by God. And so that's what we see happening here is this, this coronation of a new king. This is what's going to kickstart kickstart. It's not the right word, but this is like the inauguration of Jesus's ministry here on earth. And so it's this moment where we see all of, God within the Trinity coming together and saying, this is happening. Yeah. Like the kingdom is here Mm -hmm. now. Let's, let's do some work. Mm -hmm. And I think that does point to, if you haven't um, read this passage looking for the Trinity, Mm -hmm. um, you might not have ever noticed, but you do see, you see the sun, um, you see the spirit descending like a dove. And Mm -hmm. this is one of my favorite parts since we studied Genesis, because you see all the way back in Genesis one, two, I believe it says the spirit of God was hovering over the face Mm -hmm. of the waters. And there's a whole, um, Tim Keller sermon that's just 
so good about all of that. But um, the words, the language that's used there, it's it's similar language as if they were talking about a dove or a bird hovering over the waters. And so we see that again. We see the Holy Spirit descending like a dove. And then the voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. So that's the father. So I love being able to see the Trinity in this in this passage. Yeah, I like how um, it's it applies to all of our senses almost like we see the spirit of God ascending like a dove, which Mm -hmm. is visual. Right. Mm -hmm. And then we hear the father speaking. And I think to me, that just like reminds me of God reaches people in all different different ways. ways. And so somebody seeing something might have been more meaningful to them than hearing. And so he's like, I'm just going to cover all the bases right here. Mm -hmm. So I really like that. I think one question that we can pause and ask, and we'll talk about this. Let's discuss this a little bit. Like, why is Jesus baptized? Like, we know that John is telling people, repent, you're a sinner. You need to repent of your sin, but Jesus never sinned. So why would he need to be baptized? Mm, I think I think several reasons. Um, I think that the first thing that comes to my mind is that he is setting an example mm. for us and that he is um, showing us how to act in obedience. Um, and then he's also wanting to identify with us and humble himself. Um you know, we see it all throughout scripture, really all throughout um, Jesus's walk on earth. And then we see it a lot in Matthew, how Jesus was identifying with us. He wanted us to know that we're not alone. Mm-hmm. And he also was setting an example for us on how we should we should live. We always hear like WWJD and like <laughs> we've talked about it before and it seems so like 90s, whatever. But it really is something to think about. Like we're supposed to live like Jesus. So I think that that's part of what he was doing. One other thing that I thought is pretty cool. It's, um, this theme we talked about it, I think in the intro, when we did the intro, but this idea of kind of flipping things upside down on its head, Uh, like, yeah, the upside down kingdom, like things that you think are going to happen. Jesus comes in and does the opposite. Mm -hmm. So just like John was like, I am not worthy of carrying this man's sandals. Like I am not worthy of this. Jesus comes in and says, um, you're going to do this. Like, I don't care what you're expecting. I don't care what you think you're worthy of. You're going to do this and I'm going to be baptized whether you think I need to be baptized or not. And I love that because he's just always like surprising us. Like, Oh, like what we think is, is, is true. Isn't necessarily the way that God has planned. Yeah. So that's really good. I think a word that kept coming up as I was studying this is that to identify, Mm -hmm. like to identify with us, like you said it right there in my, um, in my notes in my Bible, it said, although he needed no repentance or cleansing, Jesus identifies with the sinful people he came to save through his substitutionary life and death. And then in the, the book gospel fluency, he was, he said the same word. He said, identify. And he says, um, in his baptism, Jesus is saying, I will identify with you so that you can identify with me. I will take on your sin so you can take on my righteousness. So I think that word identify, I'd never thought about it when like thinking about this passage, but it seems to come up all the time. Yeah. So I think that's a, that's a good quick answer. A couple other things I read when studying like why was he baptized? Some people say that it was to endorse and like validify like John's that. ministry. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, he's right. You do need to repent. Yep. Like kind of mm-hmm. just like, yeah, he's right. Mm-hmm. What he's saying is true. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he says, you know, it's to fulfill all righteousness. And we don't know if that's necessarily, at least w- in my study, I couldn't figure out if that was like 
up saying we're fulfilling prophecy or just fulfilling all righteousness in the aspect of like obedience obedience of mm-hmm. what is what is to mm-hmm. to come and then just one more little note before we move on from this passage about the what we were talking about the trinity i forgot to say this when we were talking about the trinity being there but this um was in my spurgeon bible and he was talking about how meaningful it actually is that this happened this like the descending of the ascending of the dove and the Mm -hmm. and the speaking of the father and he says since this moment since this uh baptism like we said is his inauguration what Spurgeon says is the entrance of Christ into his public ministry on earth was the chosen opportunity for the public manifestation of the intimate union between God the father God the son and God the holy spirit so what he's talking about in his sermon Spurgeon when he's saying these things about how important it was that the Trinity was there was that a lot of times what we do like not even consciously, but like subconsciously is we think our salvation and our life is for Jesus alone, apart from God, the father, apart from the Holy spirit. Like Mm -hmm. we don't even consciously do that, Mm. but a lot of times we think, Oh, I'm saved by Jesus. Yeah. Separating it from God, the father and the the Holy Holy spirit. Spirit. And yes, Jesus's life is what, you know, substitutes for Mm -hmm. our life. But he said, this is a good reminder of saying, Hey, it's not just Jesus. Like Jesus is the one who's here on earth living this life, but it's by the power of the spirit and it's by the sending of the Mm -hmm. father. And so it it sets the tone for the rest of Jesus's ministry. It's like, almost like, Hey, we're a team here. Like, Uh Hey, this is one God you know, working together. And I think that's a good reminder for mm-hmm. me because I do oh, sometimes yeah. compartmentalize like Jesus did this, God, the father did this and the Holy spirit did this, but uh-huh. like a good reminder of this is one, one God. So anyways, yeah, I want to throw good. that in there before we moved on. But I think this short chapter is a really good place for us to kind of like sit in and, and I mean, we've hopefully read it throughout the week, but just like think about as you go out through the next week and as you start to read chapter four, don't read chapter four separate from chapter three. Does that make right. sense? Yes. Yeah. Like we always say, you know, it's like one story, the whole Bible, yeah. but really think about, especially these two chapters of they're so different that they seem so distant. Yeah. But we'll talk about next week when we get into chapter four, how one plays off the other and how the two together paint this beautiful picture of who Jesus was and the power and the humility that he had and how he displays both power and humility at the same time. And so I think as you go in through the next week and read chapter four, try to read it, read three again and then read four so that you can really understand the power of what's happening in four Mm -hmm. because of what just happened in three. Yeah. Does that make sense? So our memory verse for next week for chapter four is Matthew 4, 4, and it says, but he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. If you've enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. And most importantly, share with a friend. The beautiful music that you've heard on this episode today is by the incredibly talented Katie Cobbs.